the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finney. We've got a wonderful show for you today. In this half hour, we're bringing back the co-director, co-producer, Hannah Finman. We're going to be talking about things that are happening at Jewish Ferndale. We've got an exhibit featuring the city of Safat, Safad, Ir HaKodesh, the city, holy city in Israel. And we're going to be talking about that, and uh, you won't want to miss that. In the second half hour of the show, we're going to be talking a little bit about portion of the week, which is Vayesha, found in Genesis 37, and maybe titled into Hanukkah, which is coming up the week after next. We've got wonderful music scattered throughout the show, a lively Hasidic story all the way at the end. Before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. <laughs> A bit of tit-for-tat going on in Gaza and southern Israel. Hamas fired rockets into southern Israel. Israeli Air Force planes bombed Hamas sites. Hamas fired at IAF jets. Israel bombed more Hamas sites. A Palestinian driving a stolen car drove through a security checkpoint at Ben-Gurion Airport, sending travelers scurrying. Security forces shot the Palestinian illegally in the country treated him for his wounds at the scene, and turned him over to police. A Jewish man was attacked on the Temple Mount. The Arab attacker was arrested. A Palestinian was shot and killed by IDF forces near Ofra after the man opened fire on the soldiers. In other news, IDF soldiers caught two men with $2 million of heroin at the Egyptian border. There have been close to 500 such seizures this year, compared to 200 last year. 
Iran executed four Iranians accused of working for the Mossad, that's Israel's CIA. Four others were sentenced to four to 15 years in prison. A driver who shot a BB gun at a father and son outside a kosher supermarket on Staten Island was arrested by the New York Police Department Hate Crimes Task Force. Go blue. A letter, here's some good news. A letter was sent by a bar, bipartisan group of 125 lawmakers from both chambers calling on the Biden administration to adopt a, quote, whole of government, unquote, policy to combat anti-Semitism. That means that no government agency would be allowed to act in any anti-Semitic manner. And finally, for you aficionados, Slivovitz, the plum brandy joined by some Ashkenazi Jews at Passover, was granted UNESCO heritage status. I have no idea what the ramifications are, but it just means that the UN recognizes it, that this is something which is cultural. And it would have to be, because if you've ever had Slivovitz, you would know how cultural it must be. But anyway, already on the list are hummus, couscous, baguettes, burritos, and Turkish coffee. And that's the news. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. We have online the co-producer of The Jewish Hour and co-director of Jewish Ferndale, Hannah Finman, how we're going to be talking about upcoming events at Jewish Ferndale. Exciting things are happening. How are you today, Hannah? I'm, thank God, well, how are you? Good. Baruch Hashem, as we say. Okay, yeah. so what's what's news and what's doing? What's news and what's doing? Well, today is um, an interesting day here in Detroit because it's cloudy with a, such a thick layer of gloom um, that uh, you, you could really lose it. So you have to... Um, in these uh, November, December, January, February, March days, <laughs> April sometimes, um, keep occupied with really interesting, positive things so you don't get the gloomies. No sunlight here yet. It's been okay. like, I don't know, at least 10 days of uh, thick cloud cover. But if you can keep your head above the clouds, not in the clouds, <laughs> By attaching your mind to interesting things that you love, um, that bring you enormous pleasure, then um, you don't feel as affected by it all. You know, so uh, here at Jewish Ferndale, um, Herschel and I, Herschel, Rabbi Thimmon, my husband, who you're listening to this morning on his wonderful podcast, the Jewish Hour, which uh, is what, just, you know, if you ever want to hear old 
uh, interviews, you go to his uh, website, RabbiFinman.com, right? Thank you. Thank you and, very much and, for the plug, Mrs. Finman. Yeah, and, okay. and you can look at all the old radio shows, and they're, they're so fascinating. So I anyway, it's okay, doing, so what are we reaching out about? to finding things you love is important this time of the year. So at Jewish Friendly, we try to provide some interesting things to bring people together. To, because what's better than to get mindful about things that are related to the Jewish calendar, Jewish festivals, and uh, Jewish gatherings? So specifically, um, Hanukkah is coming up, and we have been preparing for Hanukkah for a while, this will be how many years have we been doing Hanukkah in Ferndale, Herschel? Uh, since 2015, so this will be seven years. Yeah, and um, you know, these gatherings at Hanukkah are, are each year's unique to that year. Um, you know, we did things that, uh, you know, it was such lovely seeing all the children coming and parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and and neighbors and friends and people we didn't know and then got to know over the years through Hanukkah. And um, Hanukkah expresses a great amount of joy for Jewish people. Um, Lighting the menorah is about light, is about bringing light into the world, into a dark world, figuratively and actually, because we light the menorah when it's dark outside. So it actually does light up the darkness. It also lights up something deep within ourselves, something that might be needing light. And if that is something soulful or even something psychological and simple like that, because, you know, when you do some Jewish act with other people, say lighting the menorah, we have a big public menorah lighting um, at our facility at 1725 Pine Crest in Ferndale. It, it feels good. It feels good to be with other folks and singing a song together and lighting the menorah, having a latke and uh, all that. So we're going to be having, it's on, uh, Hanukkah actually starts on December uh, 12th through the 19th, correct? Correct. The 12th through no, the 26th. No, that's not right. It's, it's yeah. Sunday, December 18th yes. through Monday, the uh, 26th Six. of December. The last night being the yeah. 25th. I'm sorry. Yeah, right? Is that correct? We're, we're, and That's so right. our our event is on Sunday, the 25th, which is Sunday, the last night of Hanukkah. So that's when we light all the candles in the menorah. So we um, this year, besides the latkes, which are potato pancakes and applesauce, and we're having beautiful crafts led by an expert craftsperson in our art studio with some really lovely things to create for children and adults as well. And wonderful music with Marty Mandelbaum, our wonderful pianist. We have several who we love to host in Jewish Ferndale. And um, Marty's going to come tickle the ivories, um, so to speak. And, um, and, you know, we have something new this year that we're adding. To our Hanukkah event, um, besides the uh, hopefully donuts and stuff like that, we are going to have a art exhibit featuring the city in Israel called Safed. S A F E D. Safed. Safed. Israel. Um, okay. So, what's that going to be about? Well, when okay. you come in our doors, 
and you hang up your coat and walk into our great room, there's new artwork on the walls which express different. They're not the same. Very different artists expressing um, their uh, love for spot in a pictorial form of painting. And we also have prints um, like lithographs and uh, so on and so forth. Because what is spot? I guess I have to slow down a little and mention what this is, right? Yes. Some people never heard of Svat. Some people might have heard of Jerusalem as a major city in Israel, but Svat is off the beaten track. It's up in the north, north of Tiberias, and if you look at a map of Israel, it's slightly west, northwest of the lake called the Kinneret, the Sea of Galilee. So if you go north and then a little west, there's a hill town called Sfat. It's very elevated for Israel. It's one of the highest points in Israel. And this city is very, very ancient, although because of invasions and earthquakes, it's been reduced to rubble over the centuries and rebuilt over and over again. So there's like a, a lot of archaeological interest there as well, all the different societies and peoples that populated this region. But what Sot is famous for is in the 1600s, at the late 15th, 16th century. That's when it became um, a haven for really um, Jewish scholars who were coming from different parts of the world for different reasons, one of the expulsion from Spain and other reasons as well from Germany. Um, came the Arizal, who went to Egypt, then he came to Svat. There were different uh, um, great Jewish heroes in terms of um, study, um, in terms of writing new books that would help the Jewish people for the next centuries until today, who resided there, you know, um, in the 16th century. That's a long time ago, right? But their synagogues, their shuls, are still there. They have been rebuilt many times, and they're beautiful to look at. So tourists do come to Svat just merely to go into these beautiful places and look at the um, magnificent synagogues that are there. But it also has their burial places. They lived there, and they died there, and they're buried there. So it's considered, for some people, the holiest cemetery in the world. Um, And that brings another kind of tourism, believe it or not, are people who will go to these burial places in this old cemetery and pray for their welfare of their loved ones. And other people come to spot to study. Um, In the 1970s, the town was rejuvenated with a new spirit. A lot of it had to do with great leadership in the religious communities, where people once said they, you know, it had been sort of a forgotten town, but they remembered the ancient cemetery, and they remembered these ancient synagogues, these shuls, they remembered the ancient spirit from the greats that lived there in those times, and they wanted to rejuvenate the whole idea of it becoming a city of scholarship. So nowadays, since the 1970s, it's been built up, and you have religious communities there that have hundreds of families 
Um, so if you went there today, you would see all different kinds of people there, all different kinds of Hasidim, all different kinds of yeshivos and kolels. Of course, I'm I, I'm affiliated with Chabad, so in the Chabad community, there's a, a great yeshivas there that people come to study from all over the world, people who are great scholars and and learn, and also people who are just want to try this out for the first time and there's facilities where people can stay like ascent is a place you can like a hostel where people come and they might experience shabbat shabbos for the first time in Svat. and then around the corner you have you know a cadre of young scholars and old scholars studying deep esoteric texts Okay, Mrs. Finman, let me drop in. Yeah. Just to remind people, we're, uh, you're listening to The Jewish Hour, we're talking with Hannah Finman. We're talking about things going on at Jewish Ferndale, the upcoming exhibit about the city of Svat. So let's focus back on then. Yeah. So what's going to be exhibited? You're not going to have the Rizal's grave transported to Jewish <laughs> Ferndale. That would be... No. That would be... But like I said, you know, because it gets very gloomy here in Detroit, it's really nice to have good things to see and do and things to look forward to and to participate in. So this spot-themed art exhibition that's starting Hanukkah time, you can see it if you come to our Hanukkah event, we're going to be having up for a year. And each piece of artwork, um, I'll have some information there about these very disparate artists. Um, And I could talk about... Some a of those artists, if you'd like, one and to excite the people listening that they should want to come. Yes. Well, uh, let's start. I'll, I'll just mention a few names. Uh, we have a lithograph by Yaakov Karzmacher of Tzfat, who's no longer alive. Um, his name is spelled different ways on the internet, but I knew this artist, and um, he was actually from Paris. And he came from a very secular home because his parents were refugees after the war from Poland, settled in France and Paris. And he was a self-taught artist. And he used a um, very um, geometric technique that has a very specific vibe. I can recognize his work when I'm in different Jewish homes or in Jewish galleries. Where That's where his work has pretty much wound up. He died just a few years ago, and his work is very precious. I went online to see how it's selling, and it, it sells pretty well. We have a lithograph, which is a form of printmaking, very vibrant colors, very geometric, and every hard-edged shape is a symbol of a Jewish idea relating to numbers. He was fascinated with what's called gematria. He's basing his work on, like, uh, Jewish mysticism, as you would say, and representations of his mind. Yeah, and also symbols of some very basic ideas through the idea of how many sides these geometric shapes contain. So we think three-sided shape. What's three in Judaism? Well, you would think of Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So that's a tr- to him that would be expressed in a three-sided figure and so on and so forth. So to look at his work, the more you know Jewishly, the more exciting the work is to look at because you start seeing what he's saying in it. Um, 
Okay, who's next? Yeah. Then we have a local artist who was written up in our own Jewish news during the uh, Tishrei period. It was an article written for Rosh Hashanah called Sounds of the Shofar by Louis Finkelman, who's a contributing writer to our local Jewish news about Abraham Lowenthal. Abraham Lowenthal was uh, raised in here, Southfield, Michigan, and studied um, art in Ann Arbor in um, University of Michigan and went on to other art schools and got very interested in the study of Judaism and wound up moving after his uh, finished art school in Chicago. He went to Israel and fell in love with Sfat and couldn't leave for 30 years. <laughs> He's been there and met his wife there and has children there. He he does a making the auditory visual by listening to the sounds of the chauffeur. He was able to construct some kind of software that from the sounds and the vibrations that it became pictorial. So well, something of his work there, which is nice because he's a local guy. We also have artworks from someone named Shalom of Sfat. During COVID, I did a lot of things online for Jewish Ferndale at your Facebook page, Herschel Fimmons' Facebook page. I believe some of those things might still be up. Um, we did a lot of activity from my home here. And the thing was, I did talk about Shalom of Sfat and some of these other artists during that time. But Shalom of Sfat is one of my favorite artists. Um, we have a poster from his um, one of his series. He is somebody you can Google. All of these artists are pretty much Googleable except for one, which I'll talk about in a minute. But um, Shalom of Sfat was considered a primitive artist. His works are fun to read. They have biblical origins. He passed away before I had a chance to meet him in Sfat. He was a beloved toy maker, and he made these toys for his children and grandchildren and kids in the neighborhood. And uh, when I say kids in the neighborhood, in uh, Sfat in the 1950s and the 1960s was very backward, sort of a forgotten village up on the mountaintop. Tourists weren't coming there that often. And the people who lived in Sfat were Jews that knew each other and had bonded very closely to each other, the secular uh, identifying Jews and the, very, and the religious Jews, the Sephardim, the Ashkenazim, all the different styles of Jews really bonded because they had to fight together in 19, right before 1948. Um, it was, you know, they, they had to defend their city which they all bonded together and did. That, that has a lot of um, interest, that story in Sfat. Uh, there, there are so many levels and textures to uh, this study of the city of Sfat. There's ancient things that are fascinating. We're getting to the story of Hannah and her seven sons, which we repeat to our kids to each other when we go over the Hanukkah story. And there's a tradition that Hannah and her seven sons are actually in that holy cemetery that I spoke about. So when people actually come to the city of Sfat, many times it's a life-changing experience. And when I talk to people about 
who have lived there or visited there, everybody has something interesting that's their own personal mystical adventure. And we hope with this art exhibit to be, give us an opening that people will find out about this city, first of all, and through the artworks, um, discuss some of these ideas. Maybe they'll get a slight taste of that experience. Throughout the year after the art exhibit, we hope to have talks, and we have a few wonderful local experts lined up who will tell us who was the Arizal, who was Joseph Cairo, some of the greats that lived in that 16th century period, or who are the people who even nowadays are, you know, creating an amazing um, experience for visitors who come to Tzvat nowadays. There's still much to gain to actually be there. But, you know, a lot of us can't travel. A lot of us don't have the abilities to travel. So this is a way of sharing. And I think that's in the Hanukkah spirit. There's an old saying that if you know the letter Aleph, like ABCs, if you know the letter A, if you know the Hebrew letter Aleph, the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet, so teach that to somebody else. Share what you have. So that's our uh, feeling behind this exhibit, is to share something that we have, which to us is um, like a jewel in the Jewish experience. And why not start that on Hanukkah, which pretty much is everybody's favorite Jewish holiday. <laughs> in, indeed. Again, our guest today is Hannah Finman, co-producer of the Jewish Hour and co-director of Jewish Ferndale. So you mentioned lectures. So what are the, the lectures going to be about? And uh, how often are they going to be? Who are we having? Well, that will be printed up and put on your website, on Jewish Ferndale's Facebook page um, and Jewish Ferndale's website a little bit later in the year. We're moving through this slowly. And I, the truth of it is because we're not completely out of the fear of people catching all kinds of stuff now. In our local area, besides the COVID issues, which are the numbers are going up, and for elderly people and people with special conditions, it's, it's, a, it's a real thing. So we, we move according to the dictates of some wonderful infectious disease specialists in our area. And so we are, we are planning it all now. But the actual times we will have to post because we will be advised by these specialists when it's safe. If we need to wear masks in the, in the house, you know, we also are dealing with something called RSV virus, which affects children. So we have to be careful. With safety always guides all our activities at Jewish Ferndale. You know, we had a lot going on in the spring and the summer and fall because they were outside activities. So we, we walk with care. But we hope that all of these things will be available on a um, Herschel Finman's Facebook page that people could watch at home if we can't get there live. And like I said, we'll be having these things up for in the future for many, many months. Each um, speaker um, or the, who have agreed to come in and talk so far, we have a few um, who are going to talk about the history of Sfat, and the esoteric history of Sfat, and the laws from the Shulchan Aruch, 
which are the um, Joseph Cairo's contribution to Jewish life and literature, which was written in Sfat. And that's legalistic. That's all taking the time, transforming what was difficult to understand Jewish laws into a simple set table. Like when you come in, you see the table all set and you know exactly where everything is. He did that. He codified and organized Jewish law. So that's also part of Svat's history. We call it the inner Torah is the esoteric part, and the um, uh, outer part of the Torah is, is the Jewish law. So we have both inner and outer um, traditions in the studying, uh, um, you know, scholarship of Svat. But the artistic uh, uh, development of Svat is something that happened, of course, later, in the in the 20th century, right? Um, we really didn't have Jewish art colonies until, you know, modern times. And if you go to Svat now and you walk around, you, you know, you'll see art galleries that are express many different temperaments, different kinds of art. The kind of art that we have selected are mainly people who are Hasidic artists who have studied both of the inner and outer dimensions of the Torah, who are trying to express some of that in their artwork. Um, there's a lot more. We'll be, you know, we'll have tours that people can sign up for, self-guided tours, and uh, there'll be me who can talk about the individual pictures. Most of the artists that we have will be on display, not all of them, but many of them I knew personally, Um uh, and uh, knew their behavior as well as their artistic abilities. Okay, and sometimes women? that's important in artwork We're when they to... marry, when the behavior of the person it was so am- amazing in their artwork. Their uh, the beauty of their thinking comes is expressed. So they're not just always pretty pictures. There's a depth to these art pieces. Okay, that wonderful. express that, that idea, the inner and outer ideas. Thank you so much, Mrs. Femmes. been wonderful. Could you please give us the information about the Hanukkah lighting one more time before we move on? Right. So, like I said, um, Hanukkah actually begins on Sunday, December 18th at sundown. And our event is the following week, which is Sunday, the 25th at 6 o'clock, because it will be dark then. And it's over the holiday on Monday, the 26th of December. And we've been doing this Hanukkah business for thousands of years. What time, The Hanukkah Mrs. story Fimmel? took place in 168 before the Common Era. Okay. That's about the time. If you Google all the Hanukkah stories, go to Chabad.org, and they'll have the story of Hanan and the Seven Sons in detail, and the story of um, Hanukkah. It's good to review all of that, and it's a good source, you know. And um, hopefully we'll be seeing some of your listeners You didn't mention what, event. Hannah, you didn't mention what time it is. Six o'clock, I Six believe. Six o'clock, and the address, please? Uh, 1725 Pinecrest in beautiful Ferndale, Michigan. Yes, and parking is across the street at the Renaissance Vineyards for those people who are driving. Okay, I want to thank you so much for coming on and elucidating that. And this has been wonderful, and we're going to have you back on again, Hannah. 
Okay. Well, we're getting ready for for Hanukkah. Maybe this Hanukkah will uh, will all be gifted with the light that Hanukkah provides somewhere okay. deep within us this year. Wonderful. Okay, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's the symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We have up for your listening pleasure. This is Avi Ilson. He's French. He's, we've played him some stuff before over the course of a couple of last past years. This song is called Makom Lehalom. It is a place to dream.
We all know there's an opiate epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community, and Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813. That's 800-603-1813. Or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Herschel Finman here, you're listening to the Jewish Hour. A little instrumental music for you. This is Abigazunt, is the name of the song. If you know the words, you could sing along. I know the words are in Yiddish. And this is the Freilich Band. Let's be Gazunt.
was uh, Be Gesund by the Freilich Band. That was pretty frail. It was pretty lively. And I hope you're healthy, which is what Be Gesund means. Up next, this is Simcha Liner, brand new, just released. The song is called Home. Home, we're going 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 home. home. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital, the same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. 
Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herr Schultzman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. This week is the portion of Vayeshev, chapter 37 and following in the book of Genesis. It's the story of Joseph and his brothers, and we know... And it was Broadway made it famous for us. Thank you, Donny Osmond, for the coat of many colors. Actually, it was probably famous even before then. It's one of these Bible stories that you see. It was I think it was even in Bible Stories for Children, which we read in our pediatrician's offices way back when, in the dentist's office. So like certain stories just got in that book, like you know the story of the creation and Adam and Eve and uh, the, the flood and Joseph and his brothers and Moses in the basket, the ten plagues. Those stories get in. Those those are those are you know the real Bible stories that everybody knows about. So we know about this multicolored coat, but what was this multicolored coat? And why is it such a focal point? And why were the brothers jealous of a coat? Okay, I know. I have, I had teenage girls. And many of my teenage girls are all the same size. And so we would hear as they were preparing for school that... One of them say, Ma, she's wearing my such and such. Okay. It it does happen because this is mine and, you know, just like, but that wasn't this. This wasn't she's wearing mine or he's wearing mine. He was giving a coat. What was the deal with the coat? So the coat, first of all, let's go back like about uh, maybe 2,000 years before the story of Joseph. Adam got kicked out of the garden. And he complained to God. He says, what did you do to me? He says, I can't run very fast. I'm not very strong. I don't have huge claws on the end of my my uh, hands. I can't fly. He says, you put me out in the world over here. Any animal's going to see me is going to say, oh, that's the dude that messed the world up. Let's kill him. Let's eat him. So God made Adam a special coat. Wait, 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 wait. And with this coat, Adam was able to walk around and the animals, and they didn't bother, they didn't even notice him. And Adam wore this coat, and he wore it for some 930 years. And before he passed away, he gave it to his great-great-great-great-great-grandson, Methuselah. Methuselah lived 9,900 years, we know about that one. And Methuselah inherited this coat. Methuselah, before he passed away, he gave it to his great-grandson, Noah. Noah, before he passed away, gave it to his son, Shem, as the, uh, the heir apparent. Then came along Ham's son, Nimrod, Ham's grandson, Nimrod. Nimrod stole the coat from Shem. And with it, he moved to Lower Mesopotamia, established a city called Nineveh, declared himself king, and instilled fear upon the people because he'd walk around with a lion next to him. 
because the lion didn't know the lion was like a pussycat next to him because he's wearing this coat. So he said, I'm king, and not only am I king, I'm also God because I can look what I could do. Esau, who was Isaac's, Abraham's descendant, son and grandson, respectively, killed Nimrod and brought back the coat. He stole the coat. That's why he killed Nimrod. It's the whole thing. And that's where the portion of Toldos opens up with Esau running, and he's so tired from the field he can't even chew, and he has to sell his birthright, etc. What was he doing? He just ran 11 days <laughs> because they were after him for killing Nimrod. And he has this coat. And with this coat, he became a hunter. It says in the verse there that Esau was a hunter. Yaakov sat in tents and Esau was a hunter. And he would go around and just walk around up to an animal and he'd kill it because that was where he was up to. He entrusted his coat with his mom. When it came time for Jacob to get the blessings from Isaac. So he needed to dress up like Asaph. So his mom, Rebecca Rivka, gave Jacob the coat and said, this will help disguise you to look like Asaph. And indeed, Isaac, who was blind, said, my son's clothes smell like the Garden of Eden because they were given to Adam when he was still in the Garden of Eden. So this was the special coat. It's a 2,000-year-old coat. And uh, this coat, Jacob gave to Joseph, as Joseph was to be the leader of the Jewish people in the next generation, the heir apparent, accepting, quote-unquote, the mantle of leadership. The word mantle means a coat. So what the coat looked like was irrelevant. But So now, so the brothers, Joseph is one of the younger ones. Uh, Reuben was like eight years older than him. And he was a he was no slouch. I mean, he was the firstborn. He, I, I, um, Jacob referred to him as my power and my might. So, and then he had uh, he had Shimon and Levi and Yehuda. These these are big guns. And Yehuda, Mashiach comes from Yehuda. So it's not uh, not un un. It's understandable why the brothers would say, why, why does Joseph get to do that? So they eventually, they destroyed this 2,000-year-old coat. They cut it up, and they sliced it up, and they got put goat blood on it and said, look what happened. And Jacob thought that his son got eaten by a lion. So, which Jacob, now that I'm thinking about it, should have thought, wait, the coat didn't work? Of course the coat worked. <laughs> so... What, what's the deal here for us, though? What do we learn from Jacob, uh, from Joseph in the coat? Okay. There, the, the, uh, everything in the Torah is an analogy for something within us. We have a Joseph within us. We have, we have within us this leadership po- po- qualities such that it was obvious because what happened to Joseph? Well, Joseph became a slave. Okay, good. But he eventually wound up the leader of the world's greatest superpower. We all have that leadership quality within us. And so when there's a situation which warrants that somebody step up and say, I'm, I'm 
going to step up. I'm going to take charge over here. We have that within us. The Almighty gave it to us. We shouldn't think, "Eh, who am I? What am I? No. If a situation is there and it's presenting itself and you have the ability to step in, you've got to step in. Speaking of stepping in, if you want to reach me, don't have to step out. You can just go to your computer and go to RabbiFinman.com. And you can contact me. Our contact is right there on the Rabbi Finman homepage. You'll also find archived editions of the show. You'll find the, the e-parsha, which is a way which I convey a very short missive about the portion of the Hasidic story. There's classes. There's all kinds of things over there. And there's also the very important donation page. We're in our 28th year, coming up on 29 years, and March will be 29 years. Wow. I know people that are younger than 29 years. I know a lot of people that are younger than 29 years. We've been on air more than some people would even remember that we weren't on air. And we've only been able to do it because of people like you stepping up every month. And every month we do this same pledge. We're in the uh, getting into the middle of December. If we come up with the, we're, we still owe for November. If we know, if we get November and December before the end of December, I get to tell a longer Hasidic story at the end. And you get to benefit from it. And I don't have to uh, to uh, go through this whole routine of asking you to please do it. And we know you've been doing it. You've been listening now for 51 minutes, now 52 and uh, go to RabbiFinman.com, the donations page, and you'll give a donation, whatever it is. Make it a monthly donation. Make it a one-time donation. It's all good. Want to send your donation rather than, um, at this point, in my, the number of checks I get a month is probably uh, about par with the number of checks that I, I write. Not doing checks so much, but if you're still that in that mode, and you'd like to do it that way, send it to The Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. So, it once happened that the Mizitra Magid, the successor to the Baal Shem Tov, was traveling with a group of his students, and they stopped off at an inn. And the innkeeper approached the Mizitra Magid and said, Rebbe, I have a question for you, and I was going to travel to Mizrich, but since you're here, can I ask you the question? And the Mizitra Magid said, that student of mine over there, Schneer Zalman, who was one of the youngest, if not, I think, the youngest member of the group, um, you could ask him his advice. He's going to have a son like me. That's what he said. That's a very strange thing to say, but okay. So he went and he asked the Alter Rebbe. And he said to him, um, you can relate to this, inflation. The price of running this inn over here is is gone up. Food has gone up. Everything's packaging's gone up. Plates have gone. Everything's gone up. Feeding the the horse feed, which will be the equivalent to gas. Everything's gone up. The rent has gone up by thirty percent. He said, I'm, "I can't even make a living at this place." Now, there's an inn on the other side of the river, which is cheaper. It's just as easily accessible. And I'll be able to make a living over there. Should I move over there? And the Alter Rebbe said, yeah, you should move there, and you should do it as, as soon as you possibly can. So it says the Alter Rebbe then went into his room, and he went to study. And he was sitting there learning for a couple hours. And when he came out, the inn was totally and completely empty. The only thing that was in the inn was the furniture in the Alter Rebbe's room. So he said to the innkeeper, what's going on? He said, you told me to move. 
And so I understood that I should move. And if a tzaddik, a righteous person like you, is going to tell me to move, I'm going to do it as fast as I can. And he says, everybody, the Mazitra Magad and everybody, they're all in the inn across. I've signed the lease over there. It's all done. We just need to take you across. So they loaded up a boat, a ferry, to take him across. And as they're crossing the river to the other side of the river to the inn, it started to get a little stormy. And a lightning bolt came and struck the old inn. And it caught on fire. And all that was remained of that inn was just charcoal. The, the, had the person stayed, he would have, uh, he would have lost everything. So people were amazed at the the insights of the Alter Rebbe, but people are also amazed at this innkeeper, a simple innkeeper from a backwater town, who just because some righteous person told them to do something said, must be worth doing. That's going to do it. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope we have a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a great week. We hope to send you back again next week. Take care. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.